Welcome to Mind Your Mind. Mind Your Mind podcast is for busy people like you who want to enjoy life and free up their time and emotional space by learning valuable tools for self-care and mindfulness. Our weekly topics are filled with compelling discussions and practical solutions to increase your productivity and healthy living. I'm your host, Joseph Tropper, and I'm honored to have you here with me today. Welcome to episode 23, Attachment Part 2, Adult Romantic Relationships. And of course, this is its own segment individually. Um, but if you want to understand it a little better, then I recommend going back to episode 22, where we talk about childhood and personality development and attachment theory. Um, otherwise, we'll pick up right where we left off. Um, and we're going to dive right into how adult romantic relationships work. All right, so we're going to start with a quote from John Bowlby, who's one of the founders in the 40s and 50s um, of attachment theory, which is just such a brilliant and inclusive uh, theory. And he says the following, we do as we have been done by. And this is just so profound in life because we learn how to treat others by the way that we were treated. Um, and once we know that, as much as it sounds very predetermined, it, that actually frees us because then we recognize that, hey, you know, some of the things that I'm doing might not be my own conscious choices. And so when I try to teach clients about attachment theory, it's always with the intention of not being Freudian and psychodynamic and just explaining things, why they're hopeless and why they can't be changed because of your mother's mother's mother or father's father's father. But instead, to empower you so that you understand, hey, that's not even me behaving. That's not even the real me. That's not what I want to be doing. Um, and then we once we're conscious of that, we can make changes. So, and we talked about last time how even though attachment theory tries to put people into a box, are you secure? Are you avoidant? Are you anxious or are you anxious avoidant? Um, everyone's really on a spectrum and people do fluctuate in their attachment skills and everyone has some security in them. And I think that what I see time and again is that people that work on developing their security in the relationship, either by themselves or, or with a partner, um, because you could work on both uh, in, in either situation. If you're with a partner, you might not have a choice. Um, they are able to make changes and amazing changes. So let's just talk about when we talk about attachment um, again, my book recommendation for you, and a lot of this information comes from an excellent book called Attached by Dr. Amir Levine, and he's a psychiatrist, and Rachel Heller, who is a therapist, and they, they did a wonderful job explaining how attachment theory uh, manifests itself in relationships, and very, very solid research, um, very, very experienced in the field for both of them in Columbia University, where they uh, both work and uh, work with families um, and help them understand how attachment theory uh, manifest itself and how it can be uh, very, very uh, powerful in, in relationships. So let's talk about uh, the main three, which is secure, avoidant, and anxious, um, and how they manifest in relationships. And again, hopefully when I read the secure one, you and if you're in a relationship with someone, your partner will have some of these qualities. But when I read the avoidant and the anxious one, I want you to ask yourself, hey, when I listen to these things, are these traits that I have? So here's what it's like to be in a relationship with someone secure. They are reliable and consistent. They make decisions well together with you. They have a flexible view of a relationship and are willing to bend. They communicate relationship issues effectively. They could compromise even when you're arguing. They're not afraid of commitment and afraid of dependency because they know that there's a healthy dependency in a relationship. Relationships are not viewed as hard work. Uh, closeness breeds further closeness and not distance or anger or frustration. They introduce you to your friends and family very early on because they're not embarrassed about you. They're not trying to cover you up or deny you or pretend that you don't exist. They naturally express feelings to you, hopefully positive. They don't play games because they have nothing to prove. They, they're secure people. 
in summary, they're available. They don't interfere with your life and try to control you. And they encourage you as the spouse to be great and to do the things that work best for you. That's what it's like to be in a relationship with someone who's secure. Here's the avoidant. Okay. Avoidant people send mixed signals about whether they're interested in you or not. They value independence above all. One of the things about avoidant is that they're called dismissive. And I know that some people don't like the word avoidant. Some people don't like the word dismissive. But that is a very important aspect because they value their independence. They devalue you, the partner, and sometimes their past partners as well. And that, that's a really uh, large telltale sign of devaluation. And we'll talk about that in contrast to the, to the other uh, insecure, anxious attachment. They use distancing strategies to keep you at arm's length away. And the, the key word is the arm's length because they're, they are trying to pull close, but they also need to keep that distance to feel safe. They emphasize boundaries in the relationship. They have unrealistic romantic views that you're not living up to. They're mistrustful and in this specific way. They fear they're being taken advantage of by you. Uh, you're not good enough for me. Why did I marry down? Or why am I in a relationship with someone who's so much more inferior than I am? They have a rigid view of relationships and they are sometimes uncompromising. They need to get away sometimes or they're going to explode. They don't make their intentions very clear sometimes. They have difficulty talking about what's going on between you. I see this one very, very commonly in avoidance. And sometimes they even flip it and blame the uh, anxious or, or, or sometimes even secure partner. As they don't want to talk about it. And basically, these four things are very common. They, they say things often like, I'm not ready to commit. Um, or second thing is they say, um, you know, this relationship is not going to develop anywhere. So why are you still pursuing me? They have a phantom ex the guy or the gal they should have married and everything would have been great if they would have been in that relationship, even though at the time they were in that relationship, it wasn't working so well either, if, if they're really honest with themselves. And bottom line, they believe that there's someone called the one. And obviously, you're not it. Okay, so that's the avoidant. The anxious one is the following. Uh, they crave closeness. They express fear of rejection and they worry about rejection often. They're unhappy when not in a relationship because they see themselves as defined by a relationship sometimes. They play games to keep the relationship going because that's the only way they know how to get your attention. They expect you to guess and to know what they want because that's what makes them feel good. They act out. They make things about themselves and the relationship when sometimes they're not. They let you set the tone uh, in the relationship because they're afraid they're going to scare you away. They're preoccupied with the relationship. They fear that small things will ruin the relationship. Um, even though sometimes it's an exaggeration and that they look at relationship as hard work, but their creed is, look, every, no relationship is perfect. So I know I have to just keep trying and they are suspicious and distrustful, but in this way that my partner isn't faithful or my partner doesn't care about me or uh, my partner isn't committed to me. So those are the three main ones. The avoidant anxious is one that, uh, sometimes we try to, you know, we put ourselves in that category or our partners in that category it's just a mixture between the two. Um, everyone has something on the spectrum. So I really think it's most helpful. And in, in, in the book attached, you'll see this as well, where they really focus on more definitive. Are you more mostly avoidant, mostly anxious? If there is a mix, I'm happy to work with you individually. And we could talk about exactly how that manifests itself. And it's very fascinating. So the bottom line is that about 50% of people are secure. About 25% are avoidant. About 20% are anxious. And about 5% are officially mixed. And again, everyone's on a spectrum and people change. And the thing is that the anxious one is, is very preoccupied and needs this, free, this frequent contact. So, for example, um, an anxious spouse might send a text message to their partner um, and write, I'm on my way home now, um, which is really a bid for closeness. Hey, show me that you care. I'm trying to reach out to you. And the avoidant partner might get the message and say, so why are you telling me? I know what time you're coming from work. I know, I know you're headed here. Okay. 
And what I would teach each of them is the anxious one. I would teach, you know, how to understand when is an appropriate time and an appropriate way to reach out, which there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that text message. And for the avoidant one, I would teach them to meet their partner and be there for their partner and say, great, so happy to hear you're coming home, looking forward to our date, etc. Um, because the most common uh, n- relationship dynamic is that an anxious person uh, will marry or be in a committed relationship with an avoidant. And the reason is very simple. Uh, many secures are attracted to other secures, so they, they get married. Uh, secures marry avoidant and um, and anxious, by the way, of course they do. Um, what ends up happening is hopefully the secure teaches the anxious and avoidant one healthier uh, skills and the, hopefully the avoidant and the, and the anxious one upgrades themselves and uh, is open and willing to learn those lessons. But the most common dynamic is one anxious marrying one avoidant uh, because avoidance and avoidance that try to get together, there's no glue that keeps them together. So they often don't work. But the anxious one um, is very used to rejection um, and, and fear of whether their parents were there for them. And so they're kind of used to that dynamic. So they become very attracted to the avoidant one. And the avoidant one is used to being suffocated and having to put boundaries and push push the anxious parent or the unresponsive parent away um, or manipulative parent away. So so they fit right in. So that, that's the most common dynamic that I see probably about 90% of couples that have issues present with that. Now, if you have a 10%, that's fine too. It just means that your work's going to be a little bit easier. And in the avoidant versus uh, anxious dynamic, um, there's a big spectrum of how dysfunctional the situation is and, and how much we're able to, to fix it. And generally what ends up happening, this is very fascinating, is that when one partner recognizes this pattern um, and they start to really shift, and, and I'm going to leave you with some practical advice about how to do that, um, that shifts the entire relationship for the good or for the bad. Um, usually, if you're working with someone and one of the people I work with, um, usually it makes a tremendous shift for the positive because what happens is the other partner recognizes, hey, you know, my partner's actually getting much healthier. So I need to just give um, and I need to really respect that and notice those changes and um, and try to meet them where they are. And sometimes it ends up being where they both recognize, hey, this is just not compatible at the least bit. Um, but again, if two if two people are willing to work together, then there's, there's almost always a tremendous amount that we could do. Okay, so here's some advice if you find yourself being the avoidant type. So five things. Number one, you need to show more concern for the other person's well-being. Of course you care about your partner, but your avoidant side makes it that you have a hard time expressing that. So you need to express more concern for your other person's, the other person's well-being. Number two is focus on the problem at hand. Stop getting distracted with other things and just really focus on it and deal with it. Number three, don't generalize the conflict into other bigger things. Uh, Number four, be willing to engage because your avoidant side might tell you run, 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 but that's just a defense mechanism. Um, be, be willing to engage. You're going to get so much more done that way. And number five, communicate feelings and needs. Um, and it's okay to have them. And it's okay. Even it's not an unhealthy thing to be dependent because we're all dependent on, on people in healthy ways. If you are, uh, anxious, these are five things for you. Number one is wear your heart on your sleeve. It's a healthy thing. It's okay. You're allowed to express your feelings. Number two, focus on your needs because if you don't, your partner certainly isn't. So you need to be able to uh, focus on your needs. Number three, be specific. Tell your partner what you need in a respectful way. And it's amazing what's going to happen. Stop trying to walk around your partner and think that they're not receptive to you. They do care. Um, remember, we spoke about in, in uh, the childhood attachment models, the avoidant does care about the parents and does notice when the mom leaves the room. They just ignore it, but they do notice and they do feel it. Number four, don't blame. Blame will not get you anywhere. It will just make the uh, avoidant one run further. 
And when you become needy as an anxious person, you're going to be pursuing more and the avoidant will be running. And number five, and I think is the most important, be assertive and non-apologetic in a healthy way that, hey, listen, you know, these are the needs that I have in the relationship and um, I'm asking for you to respect them and to listen to them. Um, bottom line is that there's a tremendous amount of work that can be done. No, if you listen to this podcast and you say, you know, hey, you go home and you tell your husband, I figured everything out. This is the problem. You're avoidant. It's not going to get you anywhere. You go home and you say to your wife, I figured you out. You're just the anxious type. Um, it's not going to get you anywhere. What will get you somewhere is really doing the research, understanding how you're behaving, what you're doing, and how that dynamic plays out in the relationship and things that you could do to actively change it because it is changeable and it's an amazing thing. Um, in the book Attached, they, they, they bring down research that states that it takes about four years to change. I, I don't see that at all. I see that it takes about six months to a year to make to make really effective changes. And that could be in therapy, that could be with a attachment accountability partner, someone that really understands the theory and is really willing to help you and be able to talk it through with you. I had someone that came in my office a while back and we were talking about their attachment style. And she said, you know, that's it. I'm just going to leave my spouse and I'm going to marry someone secure because why do I need to be married to someone who's anxious? And so I said to the person, well, you know, how do you know that a secure person is going to want to marry you? And she was very offended by that, even though we had rapport, but she was very offended. She came back two weeks later and said, you know, Joe, you're right. Because when I looked through all my relationship pattern, I noticed this exact dynamic. And she said something very, very brilliant, which showed me that she got it. She said, you know, I wish I would have known about this attachment theory before I started my whole dating process. And so many people say that once they're educated about this. And the answer is, you know what? Life gives us all experience and it teaches us so many things. And if you could learn from your past, that's great. Learn from your current relationship that you're in and give it your all. Try to try to make some changes. It's amazing to see once you understand, many of the fights will, will, will become irrelevant because all they are are just your attachment styles acting out and protesting. And once you start recognizing how you're just playing into your partner's insecure parts and instead start talking to their secure parts and start functioning from your secure parts, you're going to see a tremendous upgrade in your relationship quality. Go ahead, give it a try. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to mind your mind. For more practical ideas and to make sure you never miss an episode, visit us at mindyourmindonline.com.